0: Hello and welcome to the Integrated Health podcast with me, your host, Tom Phillips. Today's guest on the inaugural episode of the podcast is a fantastic man. He's a brilliant coach and an even better person. His name's Dave Cottrell on Mindset by Dave. You can find him on social media. He's an incredible man. I first met him four years ago when he delivered a mindset workshop that I went along to with a couple of friends and a lot of what he spoke about on that day has stuck with me ever since. Now, in that time, I've had the opportunity to get to know him personally and had the opportunity to work with him professionally as well. Dave delivers some seminars for my own clients and I I think given his interesting transition from being a personal trainer into being a mental health coach, Along with struggling with his own mental health issues, he's the exact kind of person that I want to come on this podcast and discuss very openly about the issues surrounding mental health. So sit back, have a listen. It's a very interesting listen. We cover all topics mental health, even delving into some of the realms of social media and mental health, which we know can be a difficult subject, but I think it's a very prominent one for everyone right now. So I hope you enjoy it any questions you have please feel free to drop myself a message at the end and i really hope you enjoy this podcast pleasure to have you on dave been pleasure looking to be forward here. to this um for getting this podcast off the ground as i've already chatted with you off air is something i've been trying to do for quite a while and moving more into health rather than fitness uh, as i've already attested to in previous times we've worked together for me I love the fact that you've got the perfect insight into both worlds. So coming from a personal training background, moving into mental health, I think is ideal for what I want to get across right now of a message. Yeah. So I think you're the perfect guest. I couldn't think of anyone else better to come on first for the inaugural Integrated Health podcast.
1: Well, it is an absolute honor.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of a backstory.
1: Oh, I'll do the short one. Um, the super short one, in fact, because every time I say the short ones of people, I do the 20 minute one as opposed to the hour one. Uh, I am someone who basically has bipolar disorder or type two bipolar disorder, which is, you know, any other type twos out there i will be like, stop saying this. But it's the it's the nicer version. It's the one that's a little bit more friendly to your brain Um basically means I'm prone to highs and lows um, periods of depression periods of mania so mania being a very very elevated state Um I literally grew up with what I thought was zero self-esteem I didn't think of it as zero self-esteem at the time but I was I grew up dad had left when I was six started getting bullied from the age of 12 developed an eating disorder about four minutes after I started getting bullied uh, again wasn't intending to develop an eating disorder just Custard creams were a good friend when you've been getting beat up all day and um and but then I went on to develop non-page believe me off the back end of that got diagnosed with my mental health at 14 um in it, what is it to na- to nowadays by nowadays standards is a very controversial diagnosis um because I actually got diagnosed by my gp which is totally something that shouldn't happen um and I was put onto mood stabilizers very very rapidly which again is something that shouldn't really happen Uh, But, like, so as a result, whilst I was on mood stabilizers, um, I started, I just started not feeling anything. So I started with some mild self-harm at that point. Um, Nothing serious because I was terrified of blood, but... Um, but then, as I moved into my twenties, um, it started being it started being alcohol that would replace this, instead of the. Well, actually, actually, I'm, I'm about to lie. I was about to say replace the food. It didn't. It went, and then there was the food was still there. The alcohol came in, um, and then I was in this big rush to rush to to get my life on track from 17. So I got I got my first girlfriend at 17, um, got engaged on the millennium, like that year, like the 1999 into 2000 um and then was you know, working on having the wife the house the car and then started working on having the kids and um i basically just had a full-on mental breakdown and when my wife was pregnant with the, with our second son my, my first wife should i say uh, was pregnant with our second son i had a full-on mental breakdown and i just rebelled against absolutely everything like um i, I cheated on my wife i um i started taking drugs i'd never taken any drug apart from alcohol i'd never taken any drugs i was like super anti-drugs started taking drugs i called it my quarter left crisis it was between 24 and 25 only lasted a year really um but i just messed up my entire life ended up with a different completely different group of mates um who were all into going out drinking drugs then i got on my first fitness tip which wasn't for like it wasn't for positive reasons in the slightest it was to win a bet against a friend who said who can lose the most weight i was 23 stone six he was about 15 stone um so i figured that i had the most to lose therefore the most to gain and um and i did i started losing all the weight now as this whole growing up with low self-esteem because i at this point people were giving me compliments um, which I'm still pro giving people compliments about weight loss because I know that's a very hotly contested subject right now but as someone who's been on the other side of that I loved that I loved those compliments right I I wasn't one of the people that said that when they said oh you look really good my brain went what are you saying I didn't look good when I was big <laughs> like and I know like I call that hearing between the lines um so I am very pro that from my own biased kind of point of view but I lost all this weight and then I started getting all these compliments and then that was how the, the drug, I think that's why the drug addiction never became an addiction for me. Like within a year, I became addicted to the gym. And if I went out and drank and stuff, it'd affect the way I'd feel for training on a Monday morning and stuff. So I leveled back out again for about two years. Uh, then the relationship had ne- like never been the same since. So I ended up leaving the relationship and I um, got in a relationship with someone who was equally as messed up as I was, just in a completely different way. That was explosive, shall we say? <laughs> that was that was both the most amazing and most destructive thing in the in the whole world. You know, it was a relationship that was filled with with absolute passion, and I threw myself into it, burnt all my bridges, um, ended up losing all of my friends, ended up losing all of my family, um, and then ended up losing the girl because that's the way these things go, and um, and then literally. Like in in August 2009, and I had this picture come up of like what you were doing last year. And what I was doing last year was at V Festival with a bunch of my mates, still with my first wife. The two kids were off being looked after by the grandparents. I had a life, I had everything. And then on that day in August 2009, I'm like, I don't have any of these friends anymore. I'm not speaking to any of my family anymore. I can't, I've i lost the ability to... I'd fallen back into drugs and stuff at that point. I'd lost the ability to look after my kids. I felt like the most useless human being on the face of the planet. Um, And that led to me making an attempt on my own life. Now, I'd love to say that was the thing that turned me around. It wasn't. Um, I survived the attempt on my own life, thankfully. But I genuinely thought I had nothing left to give. I thought I was the most useless person on the face of the planet. And... Um, and i ended up kind of going and seeing like i, I escaped from the hospital because my mom took me off to the hospital with the police and there was it was a whole drama <laughs> and um and my mom was giving me the down in the banks you know like the why could you do this it was so, so selfish and all the rest of it and i just didn't want to hear that lecture so i ran away from the hospital I ended up at my, my best mate's house um and i basically what i should have said before the attempt on my own life was just what i should have done what i actually did was i put a message on facebook saying i need a hug and no one responded you know and all the rest of it now this is facebook 2009 so it's not like everyone's checking it every five seconds back then but still in a distorted mind when you're suicidal that's enough to believe that absolutely yeah you know 100 nobody cares about you like there's no there's no room for error on this is 100 factual thing that no one is ever cares about you um and instead, if I'd have sent this message to my friend saying, you know, I know we're not speaking right now, but I'm really, really struggling and I need you. He'd have been there in a heartbeat. In the, t- in the end, that's what I ended up saying when I was on his doorstep, like crying my eyes out in tears. And um, he took me back to the hospital. He looked after me for a bit. Treated me like a normal human, which I think was a big deal. Um, but then the big turning point for me was watching a film called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. It's a French film. It's got subtitles on it. It's um it's about it's a true story of a guy who's got ALS locked-in syndrome, and he's um, he's written the book by blinking to the nurse. So they've recreated a system where he blinks and that means certain letters. And he writes this book, and this is the, the the film version of it on the subtitles at the bottom. It said, I realized he sat actually nearly missed out the most important bit. He sat on the beach in his in the wheelchair, can't move, can only, and he's watching his kids play. Um, he can't interact with him. Like, and it's even being out on that beach is a risk to his life because you know his immune system's compromised and everything. And um it comes up at the bottom and it says, I realized that even a shadow, even a sliver, even a fragment of a dad is still a dad. And I just lost it. I was just like, sat there crying my eyes out and literally I, i remember the switch in my brain as if it happened like this morning which was i went from my kids deserve a better dad and there's no way i can be that person to yes i can i i'm going to be that person i'm going to create their better dad rather than create space for this you know that's what my distorted mind felt at the time. If I killed myself, I leave space for my ex-wife to remarry again and have and then my kids have this great standing dad who's going to be a million times better than me. Because, <sighs> and the the thing is, to anyone who's ever anyone who's ever felt suicidal, will probably relate to this. You believe all that stuff. Anyone who's never felt suicidal probably won't, because they'd be like, "How can you possibly believe that?" But you do. You believe that to be absolute fact. And um, that was 11 years ago and from there until now um i retrained as a personal trainer started actually going to the gym to improve my health not just to fill a void in my life um okay initially maybe i started training other people to fill a void in my life because the big mistake i was still making back then was i thought that self esteem came from other people it doesn't it comes from yourself um, and and i was doing things to impress people i I brought on some very kind of reasonably high profile male mentors um, did any like would do anything for the mentors to say they were proud of me totally and utterly figured out that this eventually figured out this was down to the fact of well let's just call it daddy issues and um and then finally of only about four years ago even after I'd, i was already a mindset coach by the time i actually finally figured out that i needed to give myself my own approval um, so I about, about, so became this PT, realized that actually helping people was something that I'd thrown out of the, with. like when I, when I burnt all those bridges, I was in a very, I'm out for me, screw the rest of your situation. And I've kept on being like that. Now that's not naturally me. I've been the type of person that would want to help people since the day I was born, basically. Like the my mum will tell stories about me being like that when I was a kid. My, my mates will tell stories of what I was like when I used to when we used to go out and stuff. And he'd like, and like, I'd always be the one that'd be like, Oh, I'll get you some money for your taxi. Home. Or if you can't, if, I, if neither of us got any type of money for the taxi, home, I'll walk home with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I was I've always been that type of person. And um, yeah, then I was doing a nutrition degree and on the nutrition degree, there was, there was this, there was a whole module on coaching techniques and the the understanding basically being is it's not about what you tell a person to do, it's about how you get a person to stick to it, it's about, it's about, it's about behaviour change, it's about habit change, it's about understanding where eating disorders come into these things, it's about understanding all of that and we looked at it all from the psychological, we did an advanced course specifically on eating disorders And for me, i had been to, like, therapy and stuff, and i had been to counselling and and all of this stuff. And for me, the the bullying started because I was clever. I I mean, I was clever by Liverpool standards. Um, Sorry to... I was clever by the 14th worst school in the country in Liverpool standards. Like, um, not specifically Liverpool. Liverpool has many clever people. I'm just going to, like, disclaimer. Um, But, like, I was... um, but yeah, I, was, I, was, I put my hand up and know the answers to questions and that was what I was bullied for. Um, and then this time as an adult, I would have been about, th- oh no, I just turned 39. How bloody old am I? I was about 35 at this point um, when I was in this course. And um, I started putting my hand up and having the answers to questions again. And, and instead of being bullied for it, the rest of the class were like, oh my God, when we do practical stuff, I want to go with him. And one by one over the course of that week, I had every single one of those people in tears and found things in there like that you'd expect a, you know, experienced trained therapist to take weeks to find. And I just seemed to have this ability. And um, and this was while still daddy issues, they weren't solved until a year later. The examiner who was male comes up to me at the end of it and says, right, well, you've got basically a nearly perfect score. And then he goes, but on a completely personal level, if you don't do something with this, like he's like nutrition's not for you. He's like he's like this is for you. Uh, if you don't do something with this, like the psychological stuff, he's like it would be an absolute sin. And I obviously like like just you know barely basically broke out into tears and all the rest of it because daddy issues. And um and yeah, so I so I, I gave it a go. I gave it a whirl. Um, I was supposed to be giving a nutrition talk at the gym I was working at, and I asked the owner, I'm like, can I change this to a mindset talk? And he's like, yeah, sure, as long as you get the bums on the seats, basically. And I did. And, um, like, it was in October, four years ago. It uh, will be five years ago this year. And um, and I basically filled 50 seats in the gym that I was working at. And I talked about visualiz- visualization techniques. I talked about eating disorders. I talked about behavior change. I talked about all the stuff that I still, well, not maybe not all the stuff I still talk about now because it's evolved a bit since then. Didn't talk about any mental health at that point. It was all mindset and behavior change um and yeah and it was and then on top of alongside that and I loved it basically I knew at that moment I'm like that guy was right there's no way I'm going to sit in a well-lit office with with the wind with the sun coming through a window and a nice, pl- a nice plant on the table and talk to a person about IBS and how I can cure you know how I, I can cure it or nutrition can cure it or whatever and I'd, that had gone completely out the window for me And so um, I was like, this is what I want to do. And that's still what I do to this day. I just, instead of doing it on a stage and in front of people, I do it on the other end of a camera in front of a live studio, live studio audience, um, instead in front of a streaming audience. So, and then the mental health stuff came alongside that, mainly because I started sharing my own journey, went and did some additional qualifications. So I was able to talk about stress, anxiety, depression and stuff. Um, able to do for mental health first aid and also able to do a suicide intervention should it ever come up so um yeah that wasn't short at all was it
0: not uh not short but needed i think um there's a few sort of really interesting points there i think obviously uh, i think for a lot of people it will resonate hearing the reasons why you started exercising yourself and the fact that from an outside perspective, that will always look like it's for a good reason. And that's to better yourself physically, right? Which yes. is so, which is a narrative that we all sort of beat to a certain extent. And I do personally still believe there is an aspect of, we do need to be in good, you know, a, a certain standard of physical condition. We know that, but I think it will hit home to a lot of people, perhaps maybe the reasons why they're exercising themselves. And you've probably seen the same as what I have i've for every person i've seen exercise become an outlet for them and become a great source of happiness in their life i've also seen it cost people marriages because of their obsession with yep. their nutrition and their exercise with people that are so engrossed in i suppose themselves and trying to to make themselves feel better that they will abandon family birthdays and gatherings and christmas um in place of going to the gym or going for a run or not even allowing children to eat you know sweets and, and nice food at christmas and birthdays because it doesn't sort of align with what they believe it should be yeah. and i think for a lot of people i think that's a, a really important point is that even though the profound effects of exercise are there it's still got to come from the right place Otherwise, ultimately, you're just using it as another cover up for issues that you're refusing to deal with.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's the thing is, like, I, I think it's funny because people say, "Oh, you need to do it for you," and actually, we always kind of are. It's just what is what is the how we're doing it for you? You know, for me, what I needed at that time was I needed I needed the compliments. Now I I needed the compliments temporarily. Really, they were like they were a, a drug of self esteem, basically. And this this is the whole thing. Well, when compliments come, you love it, but then you'll do anything to get the next compliment coming. And what we don't we don't actually want the compliments. We want what the compliment makes us feel. And if we're all totally honest, we actually just want to feel like that all the time. And that only 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 ever comes from self acceptance. That only ever comes from complimenting yourself. Because if you think about If you think about like a bank balance of self-esteem, if someone's paying in a compliment and then that compliment comes in at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning when you've just finished your legs, bums and tums session, um, and then you then you go home and talk to yourself like crap until Friday when you've got your next session or whatever. Well, you've just taken out of that bank account and you're actually in a debt and you're always going to be in a debt. And um, and it is it's about it it's about loving yourself. But even within even with, within the fitness industry or even the personal development industry. Um, loving yourself is a high or feeling like you are enough is a highly contested thing because people are under the sh- the false I, I would say assumption that if you love yourself and if you feel like you're enough you're never going to improve anything and like being content with who you are is the enemy of progress yeah it's totally not like i've been content with who i am for four years um this last year has been the biggest amount of progress I've ever had in anything. Like the last four years have been great because basically everything I approach, I approach from position of, I'm already good enough for this. I'm, you know, and if I'm not good enough for this, at this exact moment, I'm good enough for today. Like I'm good enough for this conversation we're having right now. It'll be a conversation that you and I have in six months that only comes about because of things that me and you have progressed through in the next six months or whatever, but I'm good enough for this right now. Um, I'm good enough to do the work to get to where I want to be. So I'm coming at it from, you know, you treat things that you love better. That's such a cliche, but it's so true. Mm,
0: absolutely, and I think it's funny you say that about, you know, how much you progressed in the last four years because that must have been about the first time that we met. It must we met
1: in, in the maybe in the January after I just started speaking. So yeah, for, they're probably four actually. So so probably four years ago, last month. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it I,
0: must have been. And that was, yeah. I mean, even then. Obviously, the fact that we've, uh, you know, built up a relationship in that time, working together in that period, which has been fantastic. But even then, I took a lot away. So by your standards now, compared to what you were, (laughs) is you know, that that, again, like that cliche, like if you don't look at, you know, work that you put out last year and cringe at it, and then, you know, you're doing something wrong. But, you know, even now, listening to you speak, I can see like the huge progression that you've made. But that left like quite a big impact on me and the three guys that we came along with. I particularly love that day when you spoke about the analogy with the Hydra. Oh yeah. The four Hydra heads. I hardly um,
1: talk about that one anymore either, but it's good. It, did you <laughs> want to give a quick rundown? Uh the Hydra. Um the Hydra is a type of person. It's like basically in Greek mythology, a Hydra is you cut off one head and then two grow back in its place. Uh, the Hydra is a type of person that you're trying to help that every time you offer them a solution. Um they tell you two reasons, at least two reasons, it won't work. Um, and it's yeah, it's quite funny. They they I, I probably come across oh, when was the, actually I came across one yesterday, <laughs> but, but um like literally. Um and the problem with Hydras as well is that when you meet those people, they'll make you that they'll if you especially if you're uncertain in your own abilities, if you're kind of a journeyman in all of this they'll totally notly make you question whether the advice that you give is the advice you give is right. Um, and the, the thing is, so like, they'll be like, Oh, this won't work cause of that. And some people will either go, no, it definitely works. You're the problem. Other people will go, okay, well, how about this? And then, they, and then they'll go, well, that won't work because of this. Um, uh, and I, I, generally found the, um, the, the best way to deal with hydras is, is to say to them, what would you advise someone else to do in your own situation? Um, and like if a friend, I or say to him, if a friend came to you and had this problem, what would be your advice? And the, the most hilarious thing is that they'll say, well, I'd tell them to do this. And then some of them will even, most of them will go, okay, if you go say, okay, so what if you did that? Most of them will go, oh yeah. Um, but there's still even a small percentage will go, well, that won't work for me because of this. It's like, so, but now the the I've I've developed a different question since you did that talk, which is um I get people, and you've you've heard me ask this question before, which is I get people to ask the question, what can I do right now to help with this? And um, because what can I do right now has two things. It has ownership and immediacy what can I do? Not what could Tom do for me? Like, you know, when you put this podcast out, it's like, you might go, right. What can I do to make sure like as many people listen to it as possible? Not what can the local radio station do to tell people that there's this podcast there or whatever it might be. So you, you, you you take ownership immediately. What can I do? Because so many people think that their problems are, The cause of other people or the cause of the government now i'm not saying that the government or other people or other situations don't contribute to problems but they are not the sole cause when we believe that 100 then then we essentially put ourselves into something called learned helplessness we we believe that there's no way out therefore therefore we will automatically reject everything Mm. now what can i do right now is well okay if it is the government that needs to do something well can are you petitioning the government to do this are you rallying people to 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 actually try and change this course? Are you protesting for this course? You can go and do these things, um, rather than it rather than just accept. Well, that's the way it is. But the right now part of it is we only have control over the moment that we're in, and um, we don't have control over next week until we get there, and we certainly don't have control over last week anymore. Now. When we kind of think of like, what could I do long term, that can be overwhelming. When we think about what step can I take at this exact moment? Now, a person will still sometimes reject this because they're looking for the 100% solution. And the 100% solution is made up out of a lot of small steps along the way but still it's like right what is the step you can take right now but the final part to it that makes this question so powerful is whenever we're speaking to those hydra people it's not usually a client that's long term with me because if if a client's long term with me i've i I know basically everything about that person it's usually a person that comes up at the end of a seminar or comes into a stream for the first time or whatever it might be and um, i don't know anything about them so i call this lazy coaching Um, (laughs) um they know everything about themselves so when when we ask that question what can I do right now what they're actually asking themselves is given my current level of money or my current level of time my current level of energy my current position what could I do because the answer is different for every individual in that you may find and you'll have had this with um, you'll have had this with clients where you've got some clients that are money rich but time poor And then you've got other clients that are time rich, but money poor. Like the answer for what that person needs to do to move forward is completely different. You know, the person who's money rich, but time poor, well, meal prep, actually using a meal prep company is something that they can have access to because of their extra money and will save them the time that they don't have. Whereas a person who is time rich, but money poor, it's like, right, okay, well, that person we're looking for how to kind of bulk buy things and get things across a certain time and use the actual extra time that they've got for that. Um, same with like if someone needs to get fitness in it's like what can i do right now if you are if you're time poor then you need more kind of fast explosive light type type exercise Um, and again you can probably then hire a pt to take you through that so that you've got the motivation whereas someone who's got the time but not the money that person could do the whole grease the groove thing and just keep a pair of dumbbells under their desk and just i need to do that by the way um because i'm losing my biceps but um, but i was li- i literally picked them up while i was waiting for my porridge to go in the microwave this morning downstairs and i managed to get two sets in while the porridge was in. and i'm like oh, i should just keep them up here and then just sit here doing like just doing curls all day but um but that's again what a person like that's that's some. That's me literally answering that question for myself. But yeah, the hydra need the hydra. Unfortunately, unlike in a Greek mythology where I think it was Hercules that killed the hydra, um, I think the hydra needs to kill itself. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Not literally, by the way. Like the no, hydra needs the yeah. hydra needs to defeat itself. Let's Be very
0: let, clear on that one.
1: Very clear on that one.
0: But, uh, I, I love that analogy because I I think if we're honest with ourselves as well, we've probably all got in that mindset at some point when we've had some struggle we've got into a point that it doesn't matter how logical the the scenario that is put in front of you it's wrong it doesn't matter sometimes it's the person that maybe delivers it to you and you don't want to hear it from them and perhaps you need a if the same I've, i've probably been guilty of this if i don't know my other half told me the perfect solution i wouldn't listen but if somebody i see as an authoritative figure in the scenario gave me the same the same outcome i'd i'd think yeah that's brilliant like why didn't i think of that you know, yeah yeah so i i what well, I, I loved about that because it's something that I think in our industries whilst slightly different overlap as we know that I think we do encounter and we probably continue to encounter.
1: yeah oh yeah 100% of the time well not 100% of the time but also we are all very guilty of it Um, and this is the best piece of advice I can ever give everyone is just do the things you tell other people to do like good things happen when you do the things that you tell other people to do and um, because guess what we are we're all amazing we're all effective no the the personal development industry doesn't want you to know this because uh I always like joke about it when we do it on seminars you know I try and teach your clients to not need you Um, (laughs) I try and teach my clients to not need me you know it's like
0: Dave to come and make people not need to pay me to help them anymore. Like yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm the worst I'm sorry um but but it's like okay we, we've this, I go back to that learned learned helplessness right we've learned the idea that the thing the answers we have for ourselves are no good we've learned that we need those figures of authority or that we need the government to do it it even comes down to the most the, I, like the most interesting thing for me is it's dead easy to learn anything these days because there is resources for practically everything um now the thing is we don't put value on those resources if they're there available and free if it's there, it's available and it's free. Like there is, you know, full on plug. There's hundreds of mental health videos on my uh, on my youtube channel youtube.com slash mindset by Dave, um, and they don't get used like we, we we talked about it on stream i had the funny i had like 31 people in the stream yesterday and we played a video and they were like oh that's amazing how many views has it got 17 it's been up there for like a month and a half and everyone was like how has that not got more views i'm like well 31 of you have just watched it which means it's now been watched by more people on this one stream than it was watched by the, like and it's and it's the thing if people think there's a there's a video on my youtube called how to learn anything for free and it's basically it's not it's not down to it's not down to the resources not being available it's down to what value we place on those resources um and then if we've paid for something we're more likely to actually do it because then we feel an external pressure on us or an internal pressure on us to actually live up to what we've paid for and if it's free we think we always think we can do this later um but the big thing i actually realized and think this was something i realized a few years back was i wasn't i was being a hypocritical coach like all of us are at some point i don't think there's any coach that can never ever say that they were never hypocritical that they weren't Doing the things that they said that were telling other people to do, and I sat down because I can't not think about these things. Um, I sat down and thought, What does that say? And, I, and the two conclusions I came to is it either says that I think that the stuff that I'm giving to my clients is the best and I don't deserve the best, right? Not happy with that, or it means that I think I'm giving out the crappy stuff to my clients and what I'm telling myself and what I'm doing, that's the best. And I wasn't happy with either of those situations. And weirdly, that one little internal dialogue with myself, the next day it's like, right, well, right, what can you do today that you would tell other people to do? Well, like, you know, um, And I've started doing that as much as possible. Like, you know, I with bipolar disorder, I can be very, i can be i can either think that i'm unstoppable like i can and it's all it's not quite egotistical because i'm 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 aware of it and i'm tongue-in-cheek with it and and i'll usually still make jokes about it but i do think i'm pretty unstoppable when i'm at the top i also think that there's no value to me whatsoever when i'm at the bottom now this still exists now and i know that i need to if i was if someone was to come to me and say oh they're at the top what they need to do and i'd be like okay you need to use that energy but." carefully like like use that like do use that energy because you'll be super creative when you're at that top you'll put things out that you'd have second guessed a lot right but still try and maybe be careful with it um like you know don't go saying anything stupid <laughs> which i have um but at the bottom i'm like okay remind yourself this is going to pass tell yourself that it's okay to feel like this remind yourself that this is this feeling is not forever um and and take it easy on yourself during those now i used to find that taking it easier on myself hard i used to try and fight my way out of depression and the funny thing is when i accept that depression is there it will pass it's like I'm not using the energy that I would do to fight and therefore actually feel ready to go again sooner. Um, and also the other thing is tell people like I never used to. And um, so that's what I tell everybody else to do. And that's what I wasn't. Those are some of the things that I wasn't doing, but I now do all of those things. every. And as a result, my mental health still goes into those places, but it doesn't stay in them for as long. So I do exist in the middle a whole lot more.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like just that you mentioned right at the end there about that it still happens but maybe your coping mechanisms your understanding your acceptance have allowed those episodes to become shorter and shorter and mm-hmm. that's something that's quite sort of hits home with me as a good friend of mine said almost the same thing to me you know at one point his sort of depressive s- scenarios for him could last weeks maybe even months yeah now sometimes it's even like like a day as a, like a which is makes him feel a bit more like well, we all just have off days yeah you know we, we all do and that's okay like it's okay to have a, a down day and i i personally feel that one of the biggest issues is that we all because and this i know that you're gonna agree with me to a certain extent and in particularly on social media with the positive vibes only movement, we've got to be happy clappy everything bury your head in the sand and avoid everything that is doom and gloom yeah is for me just anything but helpful and i know we've spoke about it before that now at the right at the right time if you catch those on your way up and you're feeling great like yeah then you'll love it you'll love the the scribbled note on a hand sitting on a sunset beach you know about some positive affirmation but if you're on the way down like you're like fuck off with your positive vibes i don't want to hear (laughs) it like you're not helping me at all and i i personally just feel that it's becoming because of we're so polarized in life and society at the moment you're either positive vibes only or you're negative don't be around me yeah (laughs) I wish I was
1: wearing a very specific t-shirt right now
0: (laughs) there's got to be a middle ground in there and I know you've got some opinions on it and I know (laughs) you cross over nicely into uh, social media which is something that we'll touch on very quickly but what are your thoughts surrounding the the positive vibes and how perhaps we should approach it with a little bit more caution, yeah, perhaps um, a little bit more understanding, and uh, yeah, what would be your your scenario in there?
1: Okay, first of all, the only rule that applies to all of us is that no rules apply to all of us, mm. right? So, as you have, as you've said, and I appreciate the fact that you said this, so called so called toxic positivity is for some people. And it's really good for some people. And therefore, I actually almost don't even like using the phrase toxic positivity. To me, toxic positivity isn't positive vibes only. It is it is basically a, um, you're not allowed, you know, you have to be positive 100% of the time. And if you're not positive 100% of the time, that's your mindset and that's your own fault. That's toxic positivity to me. Someone who wants to create a space where that's all about positivity. I, want, I still 100% believe that that should be allowed. Like, and, um, and it's like saying, it's kind of like thinking of it as like genres of music. Um, literally, I only came up with this analogy yesterday. So if it's crap, I apologize. But think of it, if like genres of music, it's like, you know, it, you wouldn't say to someone like in, in a, uh, like a heavy metal band that they have to play some Britney Spears. Uh, you know and it's like although uh, it'd be great actually so um analogies died um but but you wouldn't you know it's like okay if you go over to a playlist um on spotify and it's like you're looking for melodic jazz and then right in the middle of it there's some doom metal you wouldn't be so happy about that and therefore, that playlist is creating a space where you can go. Now, if a, if a, if, some, if, a, if someone puts positive vibes only on a space, and you choose to go to that space, and be like, "Well, what about my negative vibes?" It's like, okay, first of all, they they can't like. It's this idea that everything needs to be catered for everywhere, and it doesn't. Now that that I'm an I'm a big advocate of not positive vibes only, but at the same time, I defend the right for other people to have positive vibes only spaces. Right. Because, because there's no one right way for everybody. There just isn't. Now, my right way, um, no, it's not even my right way, it's just how I want to run my space. My space is I, I call it appropriate vibes only. And appropriate vibes means whatever the vibes are, like there's no such thing as a negative and a positive emotion. Let's just let's just go like try working with that for a second think about like sadness now if someone's at a funeral that's not a negative emotion it's an appropriate emotion if someone's at a funeral and is bouncing off the wall happy trying to tell people jokes and crack people up that's an inappropriate emotion even though you might arguably say objectively it is positive so like positive vibes only okay so that the most positive vibe you can probably have during grief is sadness that is a positive vibe it's a very positive it's very proactive for you to deal with that grief and let it go all the way through um and i don't think the same as how i don't think that anyone that uses hashtag motivation i don't think 99 of people do any of these things with a malicious intent they actually do it all with the best of possible intentions um, but like what everyone what essentially people who complain about that are saying is this doesn't cater to me and um like i've i've been a complained about about this like the fact that i have this appropriate vibes only but people will send me messages saying your stream is too hard to be in like it and it's like this is people who struggle with their mental health are saying that the real hard mental health conversation that we're having is too hard for them and these people also at the same time want the outside world to accept them and to understand and to listen about their mental health but they can't even find it and that's okay. But this is what I mean. The stigma stigma comes from both sides. You know, its, it's stigma comes from within as much as it comes from without. And the, one of the bigger big things with that is people with mental health. Not all, obviously, because I, I'm one of them, and I know plenty of people that don't. But there are many people with mental health that want everyone in the world to understand their condition to the level that they do. I'm still learning about bipolar. I'm 39 years old. I've been learning about it since I was 14. You know, I'm still learning about it. I still discover. I only discovered what it did to my self-esteem that last year because it was happening so frequently. And um, I could go, during corona, I could, like, like when it first started, instead of my bipolar episodes being these long waves, they ended up being these short, spiky things that I could be depressed and manic within the same day, multiple times within the same day. And I noticed, and that was only that that highlighted to me, oh, I've gone from thinking I can rule the world to thinking that I don't belong in the world twice today. And that literally happens. I think the exact same piece of content is worth everything and worth nothing like in the same day. And I, and it, I know, and it was only just, I was doing a talk about self-esteem and the penny dropped on me while I was doing it. And I was like, <laughs> um, and, um, and the other thing I only learned last year as well was, um, was, I've talked about something called emotional hangovers for a while. I, Whenever I do some super exciting things, the next day, I'm v- I can be very, very flat. So obviously, I've got the mental health marathon coming up this Friday. I know that I'm going to be up all night you know, and all the rest of that stuff. But it's, it's the most exciting event that I've ever done. So I, I know that on Monday, there's a very high chance that I'll be flat. Now, one thing I only noticed last year is I'm not actually flat. Life is just normal by comparison. Like, it's not. I'm not having a bad day but when we can when we compare a mild day to a freezing day a mild day feels warm when we compare a mild day to a boiling day a mild day feels cool so when i compare a normal day to an amazing day it feels terrible like like we we work off these baselines, you know. It's like everything we deal with is by comparison. This is so not answering your question, but I'm kind of liking where it's going. But so this but this is what I mean is like so so going back to the point I was trying to make is. Those are things that I've only just learned about my own experience of bipolar. And I've spoken to other people with bipolar whose life is very different than me. So therefore, not only does a person, when they open up to someone, want that person to ex- to understand their condition, but they want it to understand their expression of that condition. Mm. Like, I literally spoke to a guy yesterday whose mum's type 1 bipolar. And, like, he's we were talking about the fact that if someone was to come along and only see me, and that's the only reference point they have to bipolar... It doesn't account for the way that his mum was when he was growing up and all the rest of it. And to be fair, actually, I was a little bit more like that when I was younger because I couldn't control the emotions to the level and I did lash out a lot more. I don't lash out anymore, except for it myself. But um so so this this is why I don't expect anybody to, but there are a lot of people that do. And if that is the case, then Uh, Yeah, so did I at one point, if I'm perfectly honest. Again, this is is only the point I've come to with my journey here. But what people then do, like taking this out to the whole positive vibes only or the hashtag motivation, is we get then very kind of like narrow-minded about how we should do things like we're like this worked for me therefore it should work for everybody else i was in this terrible place therefore everybody else and i and now i'm not so therefore everybody else should be and it's usually like the first year or so after someone's made a breakthrough that they become a zealot of something. This is the same with like different types of food or going gluten-free or doing CrossFit or like, or getting up at 5am and crushing your goals or like, you know, or intermittent fasting, ice baths, whatever. The The people that bang on about them the most are usually the ones that they've just started with it. Um, And I totally got this way. And actually, when I first did the whole self-esteem thing, I had three and a half years, not the self-esteem thing, sorry. And when I first kind of learned about like this 2 show pass and like letting the emotions come and go and all the rest of it, not fighting with them, I had three and a half years without a, without a major depressive episode. It's like a miracle. Mm-hmm. Then I got hit really badly by depression, and actually, in a weird way, I'm so glad I did because my talks were beginning to go along that lines of I beat depression, I outmindsetted myself from depression, so could you? I was losing the compassion, and I was, and, and this, this is. Um, this is a huge thing for people to know is that there's you know depression there's or any mental health really there's what's going on inside and then there's what's externally impacting it and um, again it makes sense for a person to experience depression around the time of grief and that's if that person experiences depression around a time of grief and then doesn't experience depression for their entire life the rest of their life then that's 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 kind of usually an exogenous depression; it's come from the outside. Um, whereas, if someone experiences depression on and off, sometimes for no apparent reason, it's probably more to be in. It's more to be internal. But again, generally, with absolutely not absolutely, but generally with most cases, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. So, yeah, can you outmindset depression? Yeah, to a degree. Some days you can totally do it. Some days you can 100% do it. Something can happen in your mindset and your depression can bugger off. The symptoms, should I say, the symptoms of your depression right at that moment can bugger off. If you've got clinical depression, the depression itself hasn't buggered off, but the experience of it has. Um, can you do that 100% of the time? No. And anyone who does, like, I remember putting the post out saying, mindset is everything. Um And then I put a post out only about two months ago that said, mindset isn't everything. And again, it sounds like a terrible thing for a mindset coach to say, well, if mindset isn't everything, Dave, why should I come to you? Um, Because I understand that mindset isn't everything. Because I understand that it's something. Like, because I'm not going to tell you that you can out mindset your way out of schizoaffective disorder. (laughs) Or like, I'm not going to tell you, you you can just, just have you tried not having borderline personality disorder. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you that if you're having a bad day, that you're coming into my stream, that you've got to have positive vibes. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry to hear that. We're going to, you know, you, everything's appropriate. You are validated here, whatever you're experiencing. And we've got, we've got a big rule on that stream, which is that it doesn't matter if the, what the person is telling you seems difficult or not to you. If someone's selling it, it's difficult to them. It's difficult to them. And we accept that. We default to that. And I know there is other people out there that use that to your advantage. Yeah, totally. One in a million, maybe one in a thousand. Who knows? There are people out there that use that do. And this is another thing within the mental health industry They're they're going to kick me out for saying this because they like to say that men- people with mental health aren't attention-seeking. People with mental health aren't, aren't manipulative. Okay, attention-seeking people with mental health are, are attention-seeking. Manipulative people with mental health like it's a, a person with mental health can be pretty much everything that a person without mental health can be. And first of all, there's no such thing as a person without mental health. Everyone's got mental health. There is, there's a person, there are people without diagnosed mental health conditions for sure, but there is every single one of us got mental health. Just if you've not, you've got good mental health. You know, if you've, if you feel you've not got mental health, probably you've got stable or solid mental health. You've just happened to, you know, but yes, there are people. But I default to—I I very much default to believe the person. I'd rather believe a person, um, and I have—I have had some people that the back of my mind I've been like, I don't think what they're telling me is true. Because, um, but uh, but I literally default to believe in the person, and and and, and saying that what I you know—if their experience is this, then that's what their experience is, and um, I'm not going to—I'm que- not going to question that. Um. Should I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Was> that, did <laughs> I think that, that, that answer the question? <laughs> that, that does answer the question, but it it segues into a a real quick topic that we we chatted about briefly before we actually came on. Was I can be quite cynical at times, Um and I don't I don't hide that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's definitely worsened with age.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I know that feeling. <laughs>
0: the lack of uh, I don't want to to press you on it too much because it is a a touchy subject but my personal feelings at the moment is that there is a lot of people that use mental health in a minute in a manipulative way on social media in particular
1: Mm -hmm.
0: not necessarily for their own gain but because they feel like it's what they should be saying and what they should be doing now I don't partake in any of the Perhaps I should. I don't know. It's a different conversation. But I tend to actively avoid things like uh posting World Mental Health Day, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's a hundred million people posting about World Mental Health Day and World Mental Health Day. Some of them are doing it for likes because they feel like they should do, some of them aren't. I don't know. Like but my just personal thoughts of it that if you really cared about that, then you would be speaking about it on a consistent regular basis, not because it's a, a day that you've been pressured into in terms of social conformity and that being on social media, that that's what you feel like you should be doing. Just wondered yeah. what your thoughts are at the moment surrounding mental health and social media. It's been spoken about a lot over the last year with COVID going on. I just wondered your own opinions on that
1: yeah absolutely so um little in joke on this one actually i don't think you're aware of is that on it was mental health awareness week or children's mental health awareness week um three weeks ago and on the monday i was like right here's my schedule for children's mental health awareness week and i just put um monday and friday youtube videos tuesday um, monday and friday mental health youtube videos tuesday mental health drop in chat stream um Wednesday mental health podcast right and it was a little kind of tongue in cheek in joke because that's what I do every single week <laughs> like and um yeah. but i put it up and got you know got a bunch of response oh that's so cool and all the rest of it and now the funny thing is I, we in a weird way i can totally uh, in a weird way i don't like it when people just talk about it then but in a weird way it does have a strange impact in the fact that if and this again this is this in itself is a touchy subject you ever get people that they literally talk about one subject the entire time and then you get you kind of go oh it's just such and such and they're talking about such and such again and i know that there'll be people that listen literally look at me and go oh, it's davey's talking about mental health again right and um i call it listener fatigue or follower fatigue depending on you know like whether it's a person in real life or not um and it's like you know you get that thing where no matter how cute your best mate's baby is You get bored of seeing pictures of your best mate's baby after about six months, maybe after even about six minutes. Now, no one wants to talk about this because we all have to admit that they were getting bored of our friends. Your best mate gets into weightlifting and you think it's awesome for a little bit. But then every single one of their posts becomes about weightlifting. And it's like, you were such a diverse and interesting person before and now. okay, yeah. And it's almost like in your back of your mind. Like one of my friends talked about this with streamers. He's like, if you stream seven days a week, people know that they can always catch you on a different day. And if there's someone that's only on once or twice a week, um, it's almost like the opposite of consistency. Like if you're only on once or twice a week, people turn in for that one because they know that's the only time that they're going to catch you. Um, So in a weird way, that principle still applies. If someone only posts about mental health awareness, like once in a blue moon, then it'll strangely get them a bunch more interaction than than I would on average and i consistently talk about mental health every single day and that's because obviously people are like oh dave's talking about mental health again how can he possibly be saying anything new or interesting or different um i mean watch it i am (laughs) but but, um i spend a lot of time thinking about these things but um but see but that's that can actually happen now it's 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 one of those things as well if that is the case we do, we love reward, we love being rewarded for things, whether we like, I don't think, again, I don't think anyone's really doing that maliciously, but if someone, I remember posting about my mental health the first time, it was, I didn't have a mental health page, I was on my fitness page, and it was like, the response, my, I had to turn notifications off, drain the battery on my phone. You know, I was and I literally um, like there's a person that used the expression post and ghost the other day. And I love it. That's what I did because I was on the way into a I I was on the one in, in, in the way to a Phil learny seminar, actually posted it, recorded the video in in a service station car park, then put my phone in the car, went into the Phil learny seminar, didn't check it until I went back to my hotel that night. And um, battery was dead on my phone. And I'm like, what's going on here? And it had just been getting these notifications all day and um so i didn't see all the responses but the response was immense and literally like my brain was like oh the people really responded to this and they loved it and obviously that's giving the people what they want and therefore if that's if that's the response i'm going to go and do more of this and i did two more videos and you know the, the the it tailed off in terms in terms of the response and and i think we do either you know as as content creators and by content creators i mean anybody who posts on social media let's just let's just like deal with the elephant in the room if you post anything on social media you are doing it for attention mm. like that's not a bad thing okay it doesn't make you an attention seeker we actually do we're actually really doing everything for connection and uh, we want connection to people but attention's the gateway drug to the, to the connect to connection if you post a picture of your kid on social media it's not so you've got an easy place to find you, the pictures of your kids that's what albums on your phone are for. That's what creating a folder on your Dropbox is for, right? That's that's what those things are for. It's if it's so that your friend is if it's so that your family can see them, then that's what family group chats on WhatsApp are for. You know, it's like we have a lot like the same as like people say, oh, I, I don't as a stream because I just like playing games. It's like no, you don't. You stream because you want people to watch you while you play games, like oh, I put this content out there because I just think it needs to be spoken about. No, you think it needs to be heard. It's like we, any, whatever you put up on social media, you're doing it for attention. That's not, and that's not an insult. You know, that's, that's okay. So, but we do unconsciously or consciously, we basically click on the things that stick. And then it's like, okay, this, this is, um, like let's go back to the baby steps and happy dancers analogy. You know, like you've you've heard a million times. Like we don't tell the kid, don't do that again when they try and walk, or we don't rugby tackle them because we know they're not going to get across the whole floor. We pick them up and we go, oh, that's so good. You know, like, and what that does is it puts a little imprint in our brain saying, oh, mommy or daddy thought that I was amazing. Therefore, I'm going to go and do this again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's social media. Like if someone gives you a punchy response for that. And there might be you might get people who post on Mental Health Awareness Day, and then they actually do try and keep the conversation going, but they find that the audience isn't as interested in other days, and then we stop posting those things because you don't get as enough like as much likes. But there's um there's one really amazing analogy that I once heard, and I can't remember um, what the guy's name is. He's I think it's like is 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 a uh, let me ignore the clandestine conversations. I think was the uh, uh was the name of the book clandestine book is that it uh clandestine relationships with black man's odyssey and the cluplex clan daryl davis there we go um so daryl davis is a he's, he's a um black author slash spokesperson i guess and he basically would go and have conversations with clan members in america like Klux clan members um and he did more by actually opening the door to communication to so actually to to, to kind of get these people to turn away from their racist ways than anyone ever did by just you know saying the clan are evil and all the rest of it he decided like let's let's deal with compassion but the most the most impressive thing that i heard him say on a podcast at one point well actually no that wasn't the most impressive the most impressive was all the work he did doing that sitting down having these conversations with people that outright hated him it's like that's that's next level um but he was he said that black history month he says the problem there's, the, there's a problem with black history month because it comes with the assumption that the other 11 months are white history month and it's like so you have the same so instead of black history being taught throughout the course of the school year like just as it's te- it's it's treated in this special way which is great for the month but it's almost then allowed to be forgotten about for the rest of the time, and yeah, these days are supposed to bring like right for even for example right now it's like it's Black History Month in America right now, but it's Trans History Month in the UK right now. So it's like even on social media, there's 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 a conflict in not a conflict in message obviously, but like there's there's two different big messages being talked about at the same time, uh, and it and in, and instead of and then it diverts the attention and it's just yeah it's um uh, again i don't think p i don't i think there, there's the odd person that literally put it in there and i've, I've if you literally search hashtag so uh, mental health on instagram it's it's a very sad state of affairs by scrolling through that uh, um and oftentimes it's just because popular accounts that maybe do talk about mental health in their other posts Just put mental health on every single one of their posts, and it's like this. You might, if you go digging, you might find a a, a kind of account where they talked about mental health, and it's good. But chances are, you're going to get some surface level stuff, um, and you're not going to get what you look for. It's like, for example, I wanted to know because I want my. um, I I asked recently because I um, want my stream. I wanted to be a a space where anyone of LGBTQIA plus can come and feel included as well. And I asked, I asked one on Twitter, "Can I use that tag?" Because I don't like it when people use the mental health tag if they're not actually talking about mental health, and they because you know um, and the answer that came back is n- no, but the reason not not for any we appreciate you as being an ally, but the reason being is if people are searching for that tag, they actually want to find someone who who identifies as LGBTQIA plus, yeah. and therefore you're diluting the ability to find that. And I loved that answer because the same thing happens in the mental health space. It's like if you put hashtag mental health on a post that has nothing to do with mental health. Then you're diluting the space. You're making it harder for people to find actual mental health content because that's what the hashtags are supposed to be for. They're actually supposed to be for us as consumers to be able to find the content that we need. They're not actually supposed to be for us as creators to uh, to get in front of an audience that we that that we're not really catering for.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. I, I agree as well. Totally. It's um, something that you're almost taught to do, isn't it? When you start using social media to create content sort of how to project your message sort of far and wide. But uh, I agree, you know, I follow certain hashtags in, in my field, etc. So I'd never really consider it like that point of view though, watering things down. So that's, uh, that's really cool. Really cool way of looking at it. i um, even conscious, like I said, I don't want to keep you any longer. So I think it'd be a really good point to, to wrap it up. So uh, just wanted to, to touch quickly though, on what you've got going on this weekend You've, so we spoke about it earlier, but you've got a big mental health marathon going on. Did you want to yes. tell everyone where we could find you and, and what it's about?
1: Okay, cool. so a mental health marathon, basically a marathon is 26.2 miles. Um, I want we always basically when people raise money for mental health charities it's pretty much always and um, with very few small exceptions a physical endurance event. And um, I've run marathons for charities before. I've run ultra marathons for charities. Well, a ultra marathon. I can't put an S on that one yet. Um, So, and yeah, that's, I'm not in any way, shape or form saying that that's not a worthwhile feat. But what I'm saying is that why don't we celebrate someone's mental endurance or mental health rather than so in physical endurance is kind of like a peak of physical health right it's um it's a it's a talking point when you talk about physical health in schools people think of endurance athletes that if you ask what's the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about physical health people go oh you know athletes or sports uh, footballers quite a lot come up uh, the rock comes up from time to time um you know and no one ever really talks about Poor physical health or physical illness. The second you ask the same question, what's the first thing you think of when you think of mental health? Anxiety, depression, stress, bipolar, suicide. The, all of these things come up, and um, I kind of want to change that a little bit. Like, what about what about mental endurance? Like, is like someone's ability to stay focused for a long period of time, someone's ability to think? You know, content creators out there who are putting who are putting a lot of thought into like talks about depression and stuff they are showing good mental health they're using their mental health in a in a progressive way and um, so what i'm doing is i'm running 26 consecutive mental health conversations over 26 hours well 27 because i'm doing the last hour on my own um so starting at 7 p.m on friday and um, which is the 26th of february 26.2 same number as in the marathon um and everyone still goes what's the date again it didn't work (laughs) giving it that date did not stick in people's minds um so starting at 7 p.m. on Friday and then going through till 10 p.m. on Saturday, I'll be running a new conversation every single hour. Each conversation is about 50 minutes long to give me time to go for a wee, have a shower, not all at the same time. Um, you know, eat some food, eating the food while peeing in the shower. That sounds yeah. like living the life. Um, but and then so then on the hour every single hour for 26 hours, I bring in a new guest. We talk about mental health. And yes, each one I'm bringing in each one of those people's positive, not positive, but like ability to talk about their mental health but i'm what i'm trying to do with me is test my ability to keep a conversation going for 27 hours um so i have like throat lozenges and stuff like on my desk ready for it um you know it's so yeah that's that's what's going on i am it can be watched live at twitch.tv slash mindset by dave where we run a mental health drop-in chat every tuesday if you're listening to this in the future um and you've missed that event also you'll probably be able to find each one of those hours cut up to be watched again um, like after we're done, but well, I've got an editor doing it for me. So because I'm like, I don't edit, I don't edit out my four, I'm edit down my four-hour streams, let alone my twenty-six-hour one.
0: Sounds awesome, mate. Thank you very much. They've been brilliant having a chat with you. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. All right, I think there's been some really valuable snippets here today that, in fact, I think it's all valuable. Um, and <laughs> you know, I, I, I love it. I love chatting to you about this all the time. Hence why. know we work together and we continue to do so hopefully in the future which is really cool in itself so thank you very much mate i appreciate your time i appreciate having you on and just quickly before you go anywhere else where's the best place for people to find you outside of twitch Uh,
1: i would say wherever your favorite social media is just put slash mindset by dave in at the end unless it's tiktok at which point you have to put slash at mindset by dave Uh, but youtube and twitch i believe to be the two most valuable right now and because because obviously you can uh, you can find, the, there's, there's eight minute to 12 minute long videos on YouTube and then there's four hour plus live streams on Twitch and you can come and chat to me and my community and my community is like, you know, the best thing about all of that. They're, um, they're amazing. They look after each other. It's like a giant peer support network that's only getting stronger every week.
0: Fantastic to hear. Dave, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'll catch up with you in the not too distant future. I hope I you catch you on your stream.
1: Awesome. Enjoyed it. Good luck
0: with everything, Dave, and I'll catch up with you soon.